Yeah, that's that's I think that's the um that's the benefit of uh sticking with Skype right now is we get to hear that cool song. <laughs> Not only does it work, but also the cool song. Maybe that's the uh universe telling us stick with Skype. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> you just never know. Oh how's the uh new year been treating you so far? Oh, all right. Yeah, just went back to work today, so uh, good, but, you know, uh, a little taxing. Oh, yeah. Go from two weeks with pretty much nothing to do to getting up at 6 o'clock again and, yep. you know, it's like doing that... the damn thing, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now you got everything to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How yeah. about you? Oh, uh, this past week has been uh i'm trying to get back to that point but um the weather's been so uh terrible uh at least on our country i mean we live we live on a gravel road and so Mm -hmm. like good luck trying to get anybody to clear our road and so even though we didn't have when was that winter storm it was like saturday or something wasn't it yeah, we had a lot of snow. Uh, shoot. Yeah, it must have been last week. Yeah. And a few more inches. Of, yep. You know, a few days after that. So. Yeah, and uh, even though uh, it was that long ago, our roads are still yeah. slick and messed up. And and yeah. also there's been like, uh, I don't know about in Iowa City, uh, but it's been really foggy and uh oh yeah mm-hmm. so i've just been uh like if i if if i wasn't doing a delivery job uh that i'm able to make my own hours at <laughs> you know like uh, i would uh definitely be working right now but since i'm able to make that call i haven't right. been um i haven't been uh, on the road delivering yet in the new year I figure yeah. we have the entire year for people to order food uh, from me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, so right. I'm not uh, I'm not sweating it too much. Although I do want to get back into kind of a routine, you know. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to yeah. do that. Absolutely. But yeah, cool. Yeah, 2021. It, uh, you know. Um, here we are, you know, we've, we've survived the worst year in our lives so far. Um, hopefully it's the worst. Hopefully it's the worst. Hopefully it's the worst. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hoping for, for sure. Yeah. So this is the first, uh, the first episode of 2021 and we're, uh, we're going back in time, uh, even further than 2020 with this one. because it's our it's our favorite releases that we heard the first time in 2020 Mm -hmm. but uh they were released before 2020 Mm -hmm. and uh i i think i uh already kind of mentioned this i think i texted you earlier but i had three releases 
that I mm-hmm. um, that you saw in our file that we've been sharing. Right. And I've changed all three of them. Oh, and, but okay. I but I have a reason. I have a reason. And this was okay. a very last minute spontaneous decision. Um, and this is this is the criteria that I decided to go by. My personal criteria. You may have you may you may see it differently, but um, okay, so originally I'll just say I'll just say them right now. Originally I had Jawbreaker's first album, Unfun. I had mm-hmm. the Dead Milkman, Bialza Bubba, mm-hmm. and I had Latirix, the album. Now, yeah. with the exception of Latirix, the album, which I'm I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it right now because what the hell, that is actually one of my three um, honorable mentions now. Um, okay. With the exception of that one, I realized that Dead Milkman and Jawbreaker were both mm-hmm. bands that I've already listened to in the past, just not those albums. And I thought mm-hmm. to myself, I was like, well, I kind of think that it might be a, a, a better criteria to go by that these are uh, bands that I heard for the first time or artists oh. that I heard for the first time. Okay. Uh, because I've already, I mean... I, I've 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 been listening to Jawbreaker for about ten years. I just never heard that album. Oh, I, I see. I still okay, yeah. I, and same that with makes sense. same with Dead yeah. Milkman. I uh, I'm not very familiar. I, I I I wasn't familiar with anything other than Punk Rock Girl from the Dead mm-hmm. Milkman. But um, I've heard the Dead Milkman. My sister used to be a huge fan. I remember their first album, Big Lizard in My Backyard. She was listening to that cassette all the time when I was growing up. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. And so I was like, well, I think it would just make more sense. I still consider those albums honorable mentions for having discovered them, but I went ahead sure. and d- decided to replace the uh, th- my three releases with releases from from groups that I had never heard before. Uh, and then okay. and then I decided that Latirix, which I'll explain a little bit more in the honorable mentions about that one. Uh, so yeah, I'm totally spoiling some of this <laughs> from the get-go. Okay. But um uh, I'll, uh that one I decided that I liked another release more than or three releases a little bit more than that one. Anyway, okay. so now that I've uh kind of let the cat out of the bag about some of my some of my stuff you still don't know what my three favorite releases still don't are. Know what they are so right? yes yeah. yes so uh, this is actually going to be kind of fun for you i think and uh i yeah. i apologize for uh uh changing at the last minute but uh and That's i should okay. i should have updated I the list that i uh, i can talk about Bezelbaba for hours dude so <laughs> that record when i okay like, here's the thing, like, everybody who, well, not everybody, but in your age, in your age range anyway, which I mean, I'm talking like you're like, you're not really that much older than I am, you know what I mean? I, mean, I get less older than you. Year year. <laughs> exactly, year by year. But like, but nonetheless, a lot changes in a couple of years, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. so the Dead Milkmen were not... Uh, part of like the culture if you will uh 
in terms of alternative music by the time I was in high school, you know? I see. And yeah. so like that makes sense. And so like I I was aware of Punk Rock Girl, you know, and mm. a couple of other songs. Like I did know um Bitch and Camaro. Um mm. but like um I uh when I decided to go ahead and give a listen to that one and I also listen I actually listened to their first four albums. Uh Mm-hmm. Big Lizard, uh, I can't remember what the second one is, and then Becky Fellini. Uh, yeah, Becky Fellini? Yeah, Becky Fellini. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, yeah. Think, I think that's their third one. I don't remember. Oh, their second one's Eat Your Paisley. Um, oh, right, yeah. Which is, I don't know those other ones as well. Yeah. was my jam. Dude, so. it's. I would hands down say it's their best album uh, out of listening yeah. to every single one. But... Uh, it was like something again that was it's like that jawbreaker album that i mentioned it's something that i'm i'm really surprised that i never got into yeah. when i was like 16 years old yeah i've never listened to jawbreaker at all and i know that everyone that i know really likes that liked or likes them yeah you know yeah and i did i the unfun i'd never listened to and it was good it, it felt kind of like pop punk uh yeah so yeah it was kind of cure like cure-ish at points yes um i think john but, oh yeah. sorry go on the uh the next one though after unfun i listened to that one as well oh bio uh, biovac or some weird name like that oh well i don't know it was just the next one on spotify so it probably oh okay um they put out four albums in their career uh Unfun, Biovac, I think was the second, um, 24 hour revenge therapy and mm. dear you. Those are the, the four. I think it was fish- dear you. Okay. Dear you. That. That's, yeah. that's the one record I was familiar with. Um, mm. it's I, really good. I wish I would have, I wish I would have listened to it. It's in incredible. It's 1990 or whatever. Yeah. Well, actually that record came out in 95 and okay. like there's a document, uh, if you're, I don't know how much of a sucker you are for music documentaries, but I totally am. Uh, And uh, there's a documentary called don't break down. And I'm not going to get into the whole fascinating story, but just to kind of, I'll try and do like a really condensed version real quick. Basically jawbreaker. It's, it's kind of like that whole like punk rock thing. They um, it's, it's the classic punk rock story. They put out two records that were embraced by the underground. Then Mm. their third record um, was still, uh, you know, like a raw production, but the the songs got catchier. They started to get major label interest. They told everybody, don't worry about it. We're not going to sign to a major label. Next thing you know, they signed to a major label and they're opening up for Nirvana. Everybody hates them. And people, people were coming to their shows they were actually paying for the tickets just to put their backs to the audience while they played the new material on the major label debut album, major label debut album, which is dear you comes out. Um, it gets, um, they end up actually signing to the same label as green day. They end up signing on to green day's management. They follow the coattails of green day because green day just got successful with dookie. Right. On top of that, they had opened up for Nirvana a year prior, uh, right before Cobain killed himself. And then, um, uh, so everybody hated them because it, you know, dear you sounded, 
too commercial. Um, mm. And then, so it it sells shitty on the major label. Uh, so the label drops them. They break up because of it. Um, and then, like kind of like Pinkerton by Weezer, a few years later, um, that record then kind of picked up a cult following and is now heralded as a masterpiece. Um, yeah. I really liked it a lot. Like, I wish I would have been into it, it before, like when it was current. Yeah. Yeah, I just liked everything about it. It was like, it was like, um, kind of like Teenage Fan Club. Yeah, but, yeah. It, it, def- it definitely like, had a that. little darker. Yes. And the guy, the singer, and I know that he now has a different voice, but on this, he sounds almost just like uh, Richard Butler, who sings for the Psychedelic Furs and oh, okay. Love, Spit, Love Spit Love. Okay, like, yeah. Almost the exact same voice, yeah. which is awesome, because that's one of my favorite voices ever in pop. I guess you could call it pop music. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I really liked that. So I'm glad you put those on there, even if you're not going to. Yeah, yeah. Talk about them now. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to disappoint you there. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> did we do our introductions or have we started? <laughs> oh, it's it's recording right now. I just, <laughs> okay. I figured at this point, like, we'll just go with it. I mean. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I think, I think, you know, people, if the people who are actually listening to this podcast at the moment, uh, they probably figured out that our names are Dan and Eric. Yeah, and, probably. And at this yeah. point, I think they could probably figure out whose voice is which. And if not, then okay. it'll yeah. be fun. It'll be a fun little game that they could play. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, if we're, if we're actually on it, do you want to tell me your first secret? Well, yeah. actually, I was kind of hoping. Well, who who did, who went first last time? Was it me who went first, or was it yeah, you? Yeah, it was you. Should yeah. should we reverse it and have you go first this time, or do you want to keep the same okay. energy? It's no, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, All right. I think I'm gonna try to be a little more succinct this time. Okay. Uh, the last episode I thought went well, but it went pretty long <laughs> sure yeah 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 let so i'm all uh, down for i'm all down for trying to make this one uh less longer if possible right if possible if it, possible so i guess uh yeah i have three uh things that i chose and then i have three things that i um are honorable mentions and just like last time uh they're almost interchangeable. I could, I basically just couldn't decide. Sure. So, sure. Um, yeah, but stuff that I got into in 2020, my criteria was, uh, well, it's funny. Like, a lot of times if I haven't discovered something, it's because I think I know what the band is. Right. Or I hold something against them that's stupid. Right. So, like, like we talked about Galaxy 500 last time. Yes. I never listened to them because I thought they were like a, yeah, like a cock rock band. Yes. Or like the Super Suckers or something, which, whatever, that music's fine. It is what it is, but it's not something I really seek out. Like, I'm okay listening to the Caius that I've heard and calling it a day, pretty much. Right. So, anyway, um... And so the first thing that I'm going to talk about, uh, the first record, 
falls into that squarely and completely. So the group is Silver Apples. Yes. And it's, I think it's basically, yeah, two guys. So the reason I never listened to Silver Apples is because there's an album uh, by Morton Sabotnik. Sabotnik. Um, and he, Morton Sabotnik is a, as far as like the almost unlistenable uh, experimental electronic music from the 60s it, that I'm pretty into, like I have a pretty nice collection of those things. Most of them aren't even presented as music. They're seriously like um, recordings made at the Boston Music Conservatory Electronic Music Studio. That'll be the title. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Like a science record. It's not about music. Anyway, um, Wendy Carlos, Morton Sabotnik, some other people started to kind of change that and turn it into something that resembled music or at least used musical ideas. Anyway. He has an album called Silver Apples on the Moon, which is honestly probably in the top five most well-known and popular uh, electronic, experimental electronic music albums. So I didn't like that they were called Silver Apples because to me it was just like, why would you just steal someone else's title? Did, you know did, what I mean? Did they, get, like I just thought it was, did they get the band name from that album? I don't know how they wouldn't have, but you know how it is. Who knows? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that record, I'm pretty sure, predates their first release. Most um, likely. I guess I should have uh, found that out. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. So, for years, I didn't listen to them because I found that to be irritating and frustrating that they would basically steal their band name from one of my favorite records. Yeah. So finally though, I read enough about it, heard enough about it from other people. Everyone was like, Oh man, you got to listen to silver apples. Why don't you listen to silver apples? It's like exactly the kind of stuff you like. And I would just be like, yeah, cause it's a big rip off or whatever. But I finally did listen to it and it's, it's amazing. Like I can't even, talk about how outrageously forward-thinking the self-titled Silver album, Apples album is. Like, if I heard it now and someone said, that's a new album, I would say, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't for one minute think that it came out in 1968. Not for a second. And it kind of it predates Krautrock. Um, it predates all the things that I would think that they were taking from now if I heard this. So I would think they were, you know, taking things from Can and uh, Cluster and uh, just things like that. The Krautrock stuff, even Kraftwerk to an extent with the sort of motoric uh, steady drums and things. But it also sounds like No Wave. It sounds like post-punk. It sounds like goth somehow at points uh it's crazy and the, the level of synth work on it and the organs used the songwriting it's totally insane and i personally feel like 
there are bands now that Silver Apples were a huge influence on, like beyond an influence, basically a blueprint. But they're newer things. Well, like Stereo Lab, that's pretty old. Yeah. But they sound just like Silver Apples. Yes. Uh, broadcast. Yep. Uh, the Blow. Um, all this stuff. Even elements of uh, Black Moth Super Rainbow and things are just almost directly lifted from Silver Apples. And it's amazing that this happened before any of that. Um, then the, the second record, Contact, was also mind-blowing as well for all the same reasons. So that's my first pick about the stuff that I discovered in 2020. Uh, the songs that I liked a lot were Dancing Gods on the self-titled one, which uh, might be sort of problematic. I think they purposefully use Native American drums on that. Uh, and kind of it's kind of like some new agey uh, subject matter and you know stuff like that, which in to 2021 is a different thing than it was in 1968, I think. Um, but still, whatever. I'm just saying I understand that there's problems with that song. Anyway, <laughs> and then the song on the second record, Contact, there's a song called A Pox on You. Yeah. And it's, I can't get over it. I've listened to it a hundred times in the past two months, probably, and I just can't, I can't even understand what I'm hearing and how it took me personally my entire life to hear it. So, yeah, that's it. Silver Apples. <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> I listened to them immediately. It was the first group that uh, I listened to out of your your list. Um, and uh, I had heard of the Silver Apples before, um, but I didn't know what they were and... Yeah, you know, I, I didn't listen to them for a different reason than you did, and that's just because it, like, the descriptions that I kept hearing, I tend to not be as into Krautrock uh, as mm -hmm. a lot of my friends. I mean, I do think that there's elements of it that is very, like, Can does some really interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. I do like Stereo Lab, and in fact, uh, my suspicion is that i heard the name silver silver apples probably mentioned in a review of like i don't know uh right. loops and dots or something like that you know what i mean yeah uh, am i saying yeah. that album right by stereo lab um, I think so. yeah, yeah but anyway um when i listened to it the thing that i really liked about it and this is going to sound kind of insane but it just totally transformed me to like almost like another dimension i was like this is yeah insane it's 1969 or something when this record came out or 67 or did you the say first one was 68 yeah. okay 68 so uh -huh. and it was just the only other like artist that i can think of that was doing something similar but in a much different way like i heard a lot mm -hmm. of i heard a little bit of like bruce hack going on in there sure um, right yeah and uh Definitely, I can hear where the comparisons to something like Can would definitely come from. Um, but the way, the, the feeling of the record, the voice, um, the sounds. Um, and then the weirdest part to me was uh, on the second record, 
Like mm-hmm. the last song I think it was was a banjo song. Yeah. Just like Which out of the blue. Really weird. <laughs> it's yeah, it was so strange. It was just like Yeah. What in the world? But that, that opening track oscillations. I can't oh, get yeah. that I can't get that out of my head. And then yeah. uh pardon me uh for forgetting the um forgetting the name, but the third track, the third song on the first album. Um the beat yeah, I don't to that have it one. in front of me. The beat to that one, just the yeah, the movement is just it's almost like um hypnotizing. I mean Yeah. I yeah, no, you've made me a Silver Apples fan, like straight up. <laughs> like I'm I'm probably gonna be listening to that record for quite some time. And it's I don't really buy a lot of physical, you know, media anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's actually one album that if I happen to come across it. Um, and it was the right price on the right day. I would probably purchase, I would snatch it up on any format, you know, if it was on cassette CD or, um, vinyl. Yeah. Like it's, it's that good. It's that good. It's crazy good. It It, is. And it's again, like I said before, on the last episode, there's this level of appreciation for me that is unmatched and that level is always like actual true frustration and anger with the people in my life for not telling me about something sooner. (laughs) Right, right. This one doesn't fall into that. Like literally everyone ever in my life, basically, who's ever heard this is like, why don't you listen to Silver (laughs) Apples? You know? And it was just me being obstinate. It was just me being like, oh yeah. And I just looked it up and Silver Apples of the moon came out in 67. Wow. So like, who knows? Like he might've heard them and, and called his record that I don't know. You yeah. Know? But it's just going. a dumb reason to like hate something, but yeah. it happens to me all the time. Oh, I'll yeah. get into it a little bit later probably. But I mean, I just think I have these preconceived notions about something and I'll literally spend 30 years not checking out a band. Because I yep. think I know something about them. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, it's really you, sad. Well, no, no, no. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But, um, okay, so we're moving on. Uh, yeah, what's your choice? My first choice. This is, I'm going to kind of like uh, prerequisite this or prerequisite. That's not the word that I'm looking for. Um, preface, preface, prerequisite. They're really <laughs> close. Prerequisite. Yeah, five letters. Exactly. And, I, and the funny thing is, I always say preface all the time. So <laughs> it's it's like it's one of those words that I didn't learn until I was like, I don't know, thirty, thirty nine, and I'm now forty, and I say it <laughs> so all the you time. Just use it all the time. Yeah, I use it all the yeah. time. Like because it, I don't know, makes me. It makes me think I'm smart or something, you know? Um, <laughs> I, say, I say communicative probably five times a week. <laughs> I just think it's a beautiful word. That, communicative. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I've learned a lot of new words in the past year, it seems like. Um, huh. It's funny. Uh, okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying that old school 80s hardcore punk uh doesn't appeal to me now in the same way that it um used to i mean when i was like 
17 years old, I needed to hear like the first or the minor threat complete discography, you know, like I needed to hear that. I needed to hear like, you know, um, like black flags first four years, you know what I mean? Like those Mm -hmm. were, you know, important records to me at that time. Uh, since then, the only reason why I go back and I listen to hardcore punk is basically for nostalgia. You know what I mean? Like, even though, even those important bands, you know, like Minor Threat and Black Flag, right. they're, I still hold them in high regard because they were such an inspiration to me at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so very rarely do I listen to a hardcore punk band from the, or hardcore punk band or album uh, record. In this case, it's a split uh, that, you know, affects me in kind of that same way at the age of like 39 in the year 2020, mm-hmm. you know, it's very rare. Yeah. Like you're not going to, I'm not going to like react that much to like gorilla biscuits or something today. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, but absolutely. I would have when I was 16, you know, mm-hmm. this is one of those rare exceptions and I, I can't put my finger on why it is. Um, mm-hmm. the first time I heard about this, um, was on another music documentary called Salad Days about the Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. hardcore music scene, um, which is named after the, I believe it's the final track that Minor Threat ever really released officially. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is the Faith Void Split. Are you oh, f- yeah. you familiar with this at all, Eric? Only from your list. Okay. So yeah. yep. I decided to put this up into my top three because this was originally going to be an honorable mention, then I realized how insane, insanely good I thought this split was. Um, and I, I can't really quite put my finger on it, other than this seems to be one of the earliest, to me anyway, one of the earliest examples of metal and punk hardcore like thrash crossovers like but it's 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 still done in a very early 80s way so Mm -hmm. we're not quite yet to like i don't know dri or discharge yet you know or something like that or even like something like as i don't know uh just crazy like venom or something you know what i mean like where it's still very much a dc hardcore record but really quickly, I just kind of want to talk about the two bands because this is a technically this is two releases in one. Um, right. Each side is twelve songs a piece, and most of the songs are a minute and a half or less. But mm-hmm. the Faith, which was actually fronted by Ian Mackay's younger brother Alex Mackay, or Mackay, uh, mm. it's either Alex or Alec. Um, Okay. was just it's just straight up like in your face hardcore um it's really angry obviously and very mm-hmm. uh youthful um but the other side the void side is what i think really yeah. got me that's the one that really got me because mm-hmm. the guitar work on this i mean the first like mm-hmm. 30 seconds of the first track which is my favorite track on the split is called who are you 
sounds like something King Buzzo would play, like, you know, eight, uh, five years later or whatever on, like, Bullhead or something, you know? On, mm-hmm. on like, a Melvin's record. Uh, it just starts off sounding very psychedelic and very, like, just weird. And clearly they had, like, a metal... And, like, I think that Void were that band in the hardcore scene that was listening to, also listening to, like, Black Sabbath, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I think that the Void side in particular, um, to me, sounds very just deranged and weird. Uh, the last track called Explode, uh, he does, like, another, like, they do, like, another weird intro for, like, 40 mm-hmm. seconds where he actually it's just like 40 seconds of a guitar effect sounding like a bomb getting ready to go off like you know yeah and and then it just explodes like literally like the song explodes yeah it's like, it's like the song is a literal bomb you know mm-hmm. uh there was just a lot of i feel like the guitar playing on the void side was very experimental um mm-hmm. and i think that they were doing a lot of things that other hardcore bands were not doing um, at that time that I think opened the doors for like my war from black flag and yeah, all those other bands, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of what for I sure. feel, you know? And, um, yeah. so, uh, on the, uh, on the faith side, um, I, the, the one song that I really liked was, um, I mean, they all, I mean, really with, with, the faith, I mean, all the songs pretty much sound the same. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and same yeah. with Void. I mean, that's just hardcore punk, you know. But the lyrics seem to be really cool to me on the song "You're Exed," which sounds kind of typical for that era of like discord hardcore punk because mm-hmm. of the whole straight edge thing that came out of it, and yeah. it almost sounds like maybe his. Ian's younger brother was following in Ian's footsteps, you know, or something. But the song isn't about straight edge, or at least that's not the way I'm interpreting it. I'm interpreting yeah. it as it's it's more about um, just getting somebody who's toxic out of your life in like 1983, sure. you know? Okay, and then on the second, uh, on the Void side, I'm going to say that the opening track, Who Are You, just for that intro alone. Um, yeah blows my mind the guitar playing i mean the first like when when the band actually starts playing after that intro it, yeah it sounds like a like like sunshine of your love or it sounds like um like a you know it sounds like blue cheer or something for like for sure there's there's this huge like classic rock influence mm-hmm. on there the guitar is, yeah. playing and um and then also i also really like the song organized sports um, I could be wrong about this, but if I remember right, Void were kind of like the, the black sheep in the DC hardcore scene that they actually kind of came from, like, they came from a different area that I think was a little more mm-hmm. upper class. I could be completely wrong about this. So, um, but I think that they actually, um, were actually like into sports. <laughs> and so like that song I think was kind of actually about like them being in the sports i could be completely mm-hmm. wrong about that like so don't quote me on that uh so anybody who's listening who knows anything about that 
But if I I, th- I think that Salad Days touched on that a little bit. They were they were oh, kind of, okay. they were kind of like this band that was just weird. But it might not have been Void. It might have been another band. But for some okay. reason, I have it in my mind that it's Void. So yeah, that's okay. my that's my first my first pick is a uh, yeah. hardcore punk. It's now considered a classic. I guess a lot of people there's still arguments today about which side is better. Like, huh. which is like, to me, that just sounds kind of stupid. It's like, to me, it's like, yeah. just enjoy both sides, you know? Right. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it, again, it, it's something that uh, I think you grow out of it a little bit. And maybe over your life, you revisit it at certain points. Yeah. Um, with varying degrees of, like... Um, getting into it i guess uh i yeah i would say i was into a lot of hardcore when i was real young and then again maybe about 10 years ago yeah um, when i was playing hardcore and trying to find uh inspiration and stuff um and so but yeah i so uh, when i first started this i was like oh wow this is hardcore like Honestly, the faith side of this thing, if someone said, can you play the most straightforward, traditional, classic, 80s, hardcore punk, I might show them this. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's not necessarily a good thing. Like, right, the reasons I right. want to show them Black Flag are, is because it adds too much groove or too much style. Yes, yes. A different sound or... Like, I wouldn't show them a lot of things because they aren't the quintessential sound. This faith side is like, it is just as straight of hardcore punk as I've ever heard. Yes. And yes. It, it's a, but the cool thing is, it's something that you can't fake. Yes. Because the reason it sounds like this is because it's happening right then. They're making it up then. Like, they're writing it then. If you hear this now and try to replicate it, Unfortunately, you're going to hear everything that came in between. Yes. You know, and so with so this is like the straight dope essentially to me. Yes. And so I thought it was great and a, a super good example. But the void side of it, really quite different. Yes. And the first thing I wrote was very warm guitar tone. Yeah. And that may be because the faith side is so shrill that I was almost grateful to hear a warm guitar tone. Yes. But it's kind of like the same thing with fear. Like there's a, bo- a blues sound or element to the, the guitar work. Yes. That's not in other punk rock at the time, or at least that style. And so I think your your idea about the classic rock influence on this totally, to me, makes sense. Uh, the drums are almost jazzy at yes. points. Yes. And that to me is a direct response from Black Sabbath. I mean, yes. that's the thing no one ever gets about Black Sabbath. When they're like, let's start a band like Black Sabbath, it's all just chugging on slow, right, doomy know, heavy stuff. Riffs. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're missing all that swing, dude. Like, yep. almost every Sabbath song has a you know, and it's like, I don't know. Somehow the void has that in it. And not only, uh, not, some, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, go on. Well, I was just gonna say to your point about Black Sabbath, 
one thing that also I think needs to be noted that no one ever talks about for some reason is they're kind of the first band, metal band anyway, if you're going to call them a metal band. I mean, they are kind of the quintessential metal band, right? Um, yeah, yeah. They were like the first metal band that straight up used synthesizers in their music. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it only added to uh, the otherworldliness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, side note. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I I mean, I could talk about Sabbath all day. Me too. too. They're hands Um, down one of my favorite (laughs) bands. Me episode on them sometime um but yeah i would say structurally like the song structures they take some really big swings i wouldn't say they they all connect uh there are some misses but at least they're taking those big swings i think it's really experimental at points which i guess if i have to believe that uh you know henry rollins was enamored with minor threat that I would have to sort of believe the rest of Black Flag also knew about these bands. I don't I would, have any proof of that. Yes. But I would say the guitar work definitely gets into, you know, the later Black Flag with and and even um uh, what's that other group on the label? Off? Yes, know? off, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, they are very experimental and kind of free form with a lot of that. And I hear little bits of that in the void side of this split. So um, I don't know if there's an influence there or not, or if I'm just making a connection, but I can hear the beginnings of that, that, that kind of experimentation. It seems like it to me. One, one thing uh, that I want to note also is uh, the faith put out before they broke up. Um, they put out one more album. It was a standalone EP called subject to change. Okay. I also listened to that. Now, on that record, they added this guitar player called Michael Hampton, who was not involved in the first one. And Michael Hampton later, actually, I think the following year, formed the very short-lived band Embrace, which was a band that Ian MacKay fronted between Minor Threat and Fugazi, who are them along with Rites of Spring... Uh, with Guy Picciotto, um from Fugazi. Both of those bands are considered like the fathers of emo in a wow. very weird sort of way. Um, huh. And when I say emo, it's not emo like, it's not like Taking Back Sunday emo, you know what I mean? It's like the, right. you, you know, like the, the screamo post-hardcore emo type stuff. Uh, sure. Which, um, but anyway... Uh, my point is, is Michael Hampton added like a uh, totally different guitar tone to the other guitar player in the Faith, and that record is a much more fully realized album from the oh, Faith, okay. I think, than yeah. than the side A of the Split. Um, mm-hmm. It's worlds better, in my opinion, actually. Um, okay, cool. I was actually it's. It, it's le- it's leaning more in towards into like more emotional hardcore territory kind of than than that first split it's it definitely has like um 
richer tones. Like Michael Hampton's guitar player, guitar playing was definitely richer in tone than, and but the but the other guitar player was still in the band. They just added a second guitar player, and so mm-hmm. those two those two uh, tones kind of played off of each other, and it worked really really well. Um, mm-hmm. So I would recommend uh, checking out their EP called Subject to Change. Um, in my opinion, a much much better release than Side A of the Void Split. Nice. Uh, how, All right. However, however, I think Side B of the Void Split was fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah I thought it was too. Um, yeah, I'm glad you put it on there. Yep. All right. So, uh, your second one, Mr. Eric. Uh, let's see. Man, that's a tough choice. Sorry. Yeah. Um, let's go with Alan Vega. Okay. Uh, so my criteria is different than yours. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, I, Alan Vega, Alan Vega is one half of Suicide. Yes. Which is yep. probably, I would say in the second half of my existence, Suicide is probably the biggest influence uh my favorite band blah 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 all that stuff at least within the last decade and i have just suicide's my my thing it's uh it's just the best best thing i can listen to the first suicide record every single day and a lot of times i lose i listen to at least one song every single day yeah um i just i can't get enough of it i can't believe again i didn't listen to it so probably about a decade ago, and I was furious with myself for not finding it sooner. And that's still, I've still been into it for 10 years, and I'm still mad that I missed out on those other 34 years yeah. <laughs> where I didn't listen to Suicide. So uh, Alan Vega is one half of Suicide. So the record's called Cubus Blues, and it was, I guess, uh, sort of... Um, a super group of sorts. I don't know how to describe that, but um, Alex Chilton of Big Star is, uh, I believe, playing guitar and probably helped to write some of the songs. Ben Vaughn, who I'm not familiar with, is a singer-songwriter. Uh, he's on it too. Basically, those three fellas are what who has made up this album. Um, it's not unlike Suicide uh, in a lot of ways. Alan Vega's vocal performance is exactly what you'd expect. Kind of a shitty Elvis, you know? Just a lot of, a lot of feedback, uh, reverb, delay, uh, and him, yeah, basically doing a shitty Elvis impression, which, of course, I love, but you gotta call it what it is. Um to me, the record, it just sounds kind of like a, like, broken rockabilly. Like, they're trying to play rock and roll, but either they're too smart or too, I don't know what could be the problem. They just can't pull it off. It's not quite, it's not quite rockabilly. So, um, but it, it is twangy. The guitar works real twangy and cool. Uh, the drums... Or, uh, 
Hello? <laughs> Hey Eric. Yeah. Hey, sorry about that. My um Oh I'm gonna have to use my editing oh, editing no stuff here, but my um my dad came in and I thought that uh I thought there might have been something wrong, so I had to Oh okay. Get up. Okay, so no problem. Yeah. Hold so on. I was just saying that um yeah, it's sort of a a broken rockabilly kind of thing that's happening it's uh yeah uh they're trying to create rock and roll music and like i said i don't know if it's because they're too smart or uh they have different i don't know i don't know what's wrong with it exactly but there's something wrong with it and it's but it's really good the rhythms are a lot like um suicide even though they're on real drums it's very like I said, motoric. It's, it's uh, just constant. Um, and it's broken down into this skeletal sort of rock and roll thing. It's really cool, though. It's like Alan Vega not being held back by the technology of the moment. Because a lot of Alan Vega's solo records are not very good, in my opinion. Like, each of them have maybe one or two songs that are cool. But then the rest of the record usually ends up being kind of a guide of what not to do with 90s synthesizers, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people go through that. And Gary Newman went through that. Like, his late 80s through the 90s records are not good. It's not that the songs all of a sudden are bad. It's just this reliance on the new sound it's like well why would we use these analog synths that go out of tune and you have to play them like why couldn't why don't we just program the sequencer you know mm -hmm. and sing over it and that kind of happens with alan vegas solo stuff in my opinion this one on the other hand just comes off as really cool and really um i hate to use it as like a, a positive term but just really druggy you know like yeah things that make you feel cool when you listen to them it's a hard thing to explain but there are certain records i put on and it actually makes me feel kind of like i'm cool <laughs> you know yeah like yeah. you get you get a little bit of a strut to you after you listen to it and it doesn't matter if it's at the drive-in or or suicide or anything Anything that sort of gives you a little bit of strut, I think it's a good thing. And uh, so I don't know how to explain that other than the word cool. I think it's really a cool record. Um, anyway, the song that I really like on it, or at least exemplifies the sound of it, is called The Werewolf. Uh -huh. And I think it's great. So, yep. yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. This was a very entertaining... I think cool is the best way to describe this record. I mean... It, it, uh, what it sounded like to me was like a room full of intellectuals that, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, uh, getting together and making like a deconstructed blues album or something yeah, with, totally. with synthesizers. And it's, there were, it sounded like there was a lot of just having fun, free form, maybe stream of consciousness going on. 
Uh, <laughs> I would suspect that there was a lot of improvising going on too. Uh, yeah. I, I believe think. the research that I, a little bit of research I did when you uh, said that this was one of the records that you discovered. Um, I uh, basically like the, it's, it was described as like, they just kind of got together in the same room and just hit record and yeah. kind of just saw what was good. And, and it sounds like it. It sounds like a, yeah. like just a really well done jam session between a bunch of cool cats, you know? Right. And there's definitely like this sort of like early nineties, New York art, like, you know, sort of thing to it as well. Like, and I mean, that's, that's, you know, that, that, that can't be avoided when you got one half of suicide in there. I think, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? There, parts of it remind me of like, like you said, it, it, it reminds, there's parts of it that definitely do remind you of suicide just with guitars sure. and drums. And then there's also, mm -hmm. I hear a little bit of like Lou Reed going on in some of it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to mention Lou Reed under my list of music that makes me feel cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just, and it really does have that cool feeling to it. And yeah, no, it was a thoroughly enjoyable listen. Um, it's not one that I think that I would revisit like a lot. Like it's one of those records that I think I would put on a couple, three times a year when I'm just really in the mood on like a Saturday night, you know what I mean? Or something like that mm -hmm. to add to the coolness factor of it. But it really was like a really cool, like it was it was an awesome, uh, some awesome musicianship going on there, and just yeah. great. Like it it just sounded like it was a fun record to make, you know? Yeah, I think so too. And the musicianship side of it too uh, is something I think is important because although Martin Rev, the other guy from Suicide, in his own way, is totally a musical genius, whatever. Uh -huh. But <laughs> as far as always knowing what he's doing, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I mean, I'll just throw this out there. I didn't include it because uh, I discovered it before this year. But uh, Martin Rev's album, uh, man, what's it called? See Me Rolling? Oh, yeah. Or See Me Riding. It came out in 95. It is outrageously cool. Like, is it's it really? so strange. It's like Buddy Holly. I don't even know on what drugs. <laughs> Just like a Casio keyboard. Like, there's a song on there that he literally goes through all the presets <laughs> on the keyboard. But it's really, it's really cool. Anyway, uh, so anyway, the, the Cubist Blues, though, to me was like, Everything that Alan Vega brought to Suicide with this really good musicianship behind it, yeah, and that's nice to hear. And I would, you know, I would one hundred percent agree with you on the Werewolf. That actually would have, that was the track that stuck in in my mind for sure, nice. for yeah. sure. Um, cool. Yeah, a lot of really really great stuff. Um, all right, so my next pick is. Um, you, uh, it, it's something that completely flew under my radar. Um, and I just think it's such an interesting release. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, 
it's another one of those releases that I just I thought well I think that this is just this is something that is completely new to me this year um, mm -hmm. and I just found this to be one of the most interesting things I've ever heard and that is a one speed bike mm -hmm. it's a self-titled uh, record um, and um, I uh, when I first put it on um, because as you know I acquired a copy of it from your late friend Sean and and you know mm -hmm. my late friend Sean Jones um, and uh, it was immediately like it just caught my eye I just it just looked interesting you know what I mean right. um, so I didn't even know what it was I didn't know what to expect this is actually one of the only this is actually I think the only release like that is on this list new and old that I actually listened to a physical copy of um, right. so I heard this on vinyl uh, first then I re-listened to it on Spotify um, so one speed bike uh, was I don't think is because I don't think he's still doing it at least this seems to be the only release um, it's got a very juvenile album title droopy butt be gone <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's a ridiculous title. It's a very ridiculous title, which I'm sure is the point. Um, yeah. One Speed Bike is, okay, and, and I'm going to admit I'm reading this because there seems to be very little information about One Speed Bike. Uh, this mm -hmm. seems to be kind of a uh, a little artifact that is uh, was here yesterday and gone, has been gone, you know, since it came out in 2000 basically like it's it's forgot it seems to be kind of forgotten about or at least not spoken about but it is the dj and mobile sound system alter ego of aiden gert who was the drummer for both exhaust who i've never heard of and godspeed you black emperor mm -hmm. now i didn't know this when i listened to it i was just like who the hell is this then i looked it up and i was right. like oh holy shit it's the drummer from Godspeed You Black Emperor, which right. Godspeed You Black Emperor put out a couple of really gorgeous releases. Um, I mean, everything they put out is pretty gorgeous, but mm -hmm. uh, I can't pronounce it, but the EP they did, I think it's called... Uh, oh, no, uh, that's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a Slow Riot for New Kanata, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then lift your tiny fists like antennas to heaven or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is totally not. It's totally not two things. Number one, it's it's there's like nothing uh, that is even close to Godspeed You Black Emperor on this at all. It's mm -hmm. straight up like just BPM. Uh, straight up beats, electronic. Um, he uh, actually, uh, I guess, started out the project by remixing tracks from his band Exhaust on a 12-bit Akai samp sampler. Yeah, sampler. Um, hmm. And then he just decided to put this entire, it says in the bio, with full 16-bit resolution. So, I mean, clearly he was 
using 2000 era equipment here, you know? Mm. It has moments that remind me of something like, uh, you know, Atari Teenage Riot. But there's mm -hmm. also, it's kind of like, like almost like culture, cl uh, culture jamming on record is how I would describe this. It's, it's got, there's a lot of samples, a lot of really interesting, um, you know, he's experimenting with a lot of like, references musically to like techno and hip hop mm -hmm. and glitch music and just, you know, uh, scratch <laughs> samples and all kinds of like really interesting things. And it's, it's one of those records too, where I don't even know like where the songs begin or where they end. Like for sure. it just sounds like one big long song to me. So mm -hmm. it's hard for me to really pick a favorite song here other than to sure. just say that the whole thing is just great. If you're into, if, if what I described to you sounds interesting, um, then this is for you. What I will say is yeah. that there's some hilarious, in addition to Droopy But Be Gone, uh, there is a, a few hilarious song titles. I'm actually looking at the track listing right now. And... Mm -hmm. uh, there are a couple of hilarious song titles like Just Another Jive-Assed White Colonial Theft. Mm -hmm. um, yuppie Restaurant Goers Beware Because This Song Is For The Dishwasher. <laughs> Why Are All The Dogs Dying Of Cancer? That's a little dark. And then the, mm -hmm. uh, the last track before the outro is called Any Movement That Forgets About Class Is A Bowel Movement. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, like... Like I feel like a lot of the um, a lot of the things that are being expressed on this are still very relevant today. You mm -hmm. know what I mean in terms of like what he's talking about. What he's I don't know. I'm I'm sure that probably in his mind he was just making a fun, you know, like glitchy sort of electronic record and sure. just having fun with the sampler. But to me, it's like. I just hear a lot of like, and just with Godspeed, you black emperor period, mm -hmm. like, you know, cause they were very political. They you know, are yeah. total activists, you know, um, there, do you remember when Godspeed, you black emperor actually got, I think they got like indicted or something, or they got pulled over when they were on tour somewhere because, uh, somebody spotted like, something painted on their van and thought that they were like maybe terrorists or like anarchists or mm. something. Do you remember that? Uh, no, but, um, it sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I mean, this was a long time ago. This was like, yeah. I think, I think during the Bush era, you know, when this mm. happened, but, uh, anyway, yeah, it's just a really interesting record. I hear a lot of like, I don't know. I hear a lot of like, when men's recovery project, if you're familiar with them, I hear a lot of like when they kind of do the um, weird electronic sampley glitchy type mm -hmm. stuff. I hear like, you know, just a lot of like uh, techno and um, I even hear like maybe almost like a precursor to like some dubstep and things like that on here. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's just a, it was a really interesting project that I think was just kind of a one off. Um, 
you know, I, I would be cool if he did more with it. Um, but I'm, I'm suspecting it was probably just a project that he just did. And that's, that's that. And that, that's cool with me too. It's, yeah. it, but you know, I had never heard of this. I didn't know what it was. It just right away, the cover just caught me. I was just like this, yeah. this looks really cool. This is either the cover looks like it's either going to be the worst punk band I've ever heard. Yeah. Or the best, best or worst metal band I've ever heard. Yeah. Like right. you know, it's it's like I don't know. Like that's what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be mm-hmm. hardcore punk, but right. yeah, really interesting, really interesting electronic music for those of you who are into that kind of thing. Yeah, I I really liked this. Um, so yeah, this one came from our friend Sean, uh, his record collection, I kind of distributed out to all of his friends after he passed. And, uh, so yeah, uh, Dan picked this one and, uh, I honestly think everyone else must've had the same thought of it that you did because no one else said, Oh, I want that one. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even though I know for a fact that uh, Sean bought this because of the connection to Godspeed and the fact that it was on Constellation. Yes, yes, I so, would, I would suspect um, that. But I had never heard it either before that, um, and so I listened to it before I sent it off to you. And it, it's, it, my take on it. This is going to sound so stupid. Was this is just like Godspeed You Black Emperor in every way except for the music. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the construction of the songs, even the way the songs are titled, uh, the political nature of of it, the seemingly political nature of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of it's very much like Godspeed, but the music's nothing like that. Uh, it's very drum centric. It's very drum oriented. You can tell all oh, this was made by a drummer. Yes. And that's really cool because what you get i think is just him experimenting with rhythm and experimenting with beats and how can i make beats what can i use to make those beats what can i combine to make those beats and you sort of feel like you're just hearing that experimentation happening live almost you know uh because of that there's moments that seem kind of silly or whatever but a lot of it seems really cool and it's, I think it's a little odd to have something so drum oriented. Uh, and it's really nice to hear something that's so confidently like, I'm a drummer. And this is what it sounds like when a drummer makes a record. Right. Like, right. And I thought that was awesome. So uh, it's a, yeah, really cool record. I know that one came out on Constellation. I don't know if they have other stuff out that, I mean, didn't get a release like that it seems like at that time period uh godspeed like anything associated with godspeed got something released on constellation yes you could be the guy that rehairs their violin bows and you would have got a constellation (laughs) yeah yeah most likely record contract so uh but yeah i don't know if he has other stuff out or not but this is the only one i've heard I, I liked it a lot. I think that, um, again, it's 
it's not something I'd put on all the time. It's just a little too intangible for me. I can't quite grasp what's happening. Right. It's overt enough that it's like, it, it doesn't require me to like sift through it. Right. It, it, like I'm just automatically know that I don't understand what's happening. And that's kind of the end of the exploration. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I really enjoyed it. And it's, um, especially if you like all the things, all the different descri- descriptions that we've used, if you like that stuff, yes, you're going to love it. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. It's great little artifact from constellation records. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll go. Oh, I don't know which one to talk the most about. Um, all right, let's go with Amnesia Scanner. Oh man, I I love Amnesia Scanner. Uh, they have a new record out this year. It did not get on my top three list because I didn't like it as much as the older stuff, and that's just the way it is. Uh, the album that really blows my mind is called Another Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are from Germany. Uh, they have unpronounceable names. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's rude. Uh, no, it's uh, Vile Haimala and Marty Kaliala. See, that's not hard. Those are right. names. Um, they officially call what they do, I think, or maybe they don't call it that, but other people do, deconstructed club music. Um, I guess that's a real genre. And I can sort of see that. It's um, it's experimental electronic music as far as I'm concerned. Um, it is clubby, but it's also uh, kind of hardcore techno at times, like Gabber or whatever, like just that <laughs> just crazy rhythms and stuff. But the whole thing falls apart almost the entire time. Like if you can get 20 seconds of something that you can grab onto out of this, you're, you're lucky. And that doesn't mean that it's jumps all over the place and it's um, dissonant, noisy, and, you know, whatever word you want to use for something that um, you can't really get into. I don't think it's like that at all. But they just don't let you um, have any, like, peace if that makes any sense with the music like you're not going to relax and understand what's happening pretty much the entire time yeah uh really heavy sense vocoder all over the place the vocals are really what does it for me i don't even understand like there's pitch shifting and there's effects and there's vocoding for no reason like it just happens like the the vocals will jump they'll glitch They'll skip. And it's oftentimes really ethereal and pretty, though. So um, it's noisy, but I, I still think it's listenable. I think it's really enjoyable and calm in its own way, even though I just said it's nothing like that. Like, And I think that's the whole thing, is it defies sort of description but in a sense you know all the elements you know all the parts and you know what it's supposed to sound like they're just taking it apart and and feeding it back to you um so yeah the song on that record i really like all of their songs 
start with the letters AS. I don't know why. I mean, it's Amnesia Scanner, I'm sure. But maybe it's something that if you search it, they, you can find them easier or something. But the song is AS and then AWOL, A-W-O-L. Um, <clears throat> and I can't say enough about it. I would say if you like, if you like um, Black Moth, Super Rainbow, or, or um, Tobacco, like you might find elements of that if you like, uh, yeah, kind of that drippy, young, lean kind of um, weird stuff too. You, you'll probably like the music here. I don't know. It's a hard one to explain, but the second I heard it, I was like, oh shit, I've never heard anything like this. And that's a big deal at my age. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I, I gotta say, man, um, you hit it right on the right on the head with everything you just said about amnesia. This was a thoroughly mind blowing uh, sonic experience. I loved it. Uh, it kind of reminded me in a different way because um, Fire Tools is doing something completely different, but. It had that same, to me, it had that same level of uh, controlled insanity, I guess, mm-hmm. where it's something that, like the way, the way you, you said it, you can say that this is just an insane release. But at the end of the day, it's also very listenable and something that wouldn't sound too out of place if, say, like in a club. There, there's a couple songs where you know you could, you could hear this being played in the background at a club, right. and it wouldn't, it wouldn't make everybody stop and be like, "What the hell is this shit?" You know right. what I mean? Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like that. I, I heard, and this, this is probably a level of ignorance because I'm not even that familiar with Aphex Twin, but to me, it sounded like what I've heard of Aphex Twin at times. Sure. Yeah. Um, because it had. Like you said, that sort of drippy, very dark sound to it. But mm-hmm. then at the same time, it was strangely like, I don't want to say poppy, but like almost catchy musically at times. Sure, right. It was very, yeah. um, yeah. And, and it was, the, the other reason why I bring up Fire Tools is it mm-hmm. was almost like it was its own genre. Like you cannot, there's like no way you can compare either of those artists to anybody else you know like right. you can only you can only talk about the elements of what they do not yeah not like some of the like parts. you can say that fire tools is like has elements of black metal you could say that this has elements of like you know 80s synth pop you know what i mean or whatever but that's not the only that's far from the only element that you're gonna hear right. i definitely have a suspicion that this was also a big influence on a lot of industrial bands. Hmm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I could be wrong. What year well, did this? Is pretty new. So okay, I was gonna. Uh, I, okay, I guess I yeah, was. Another life actually came out in 2018. Oh, so, okay. Well, that's a lot yeah. newer than I thought it was. Right. For some reason, I was thinking this was like a 90s thing or something. No, no. Uh, okay. It's pretty new and uh like i said they have a new one out this year too and it's awesome don't get me wrong uh 
and I think they had one in between Another Life and the new one. Uh, but I just didn't connect with them quite as much. Yeah, um, no. It's, this one definitely just blew me away. Fantastic, so. fantastic listen. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I I loved it. I loved it. Cool. <laughs> it was nice. fantastic. Um, uh, okay, so this is the my last one. Um, okay, so I really was kind of debating on going back and forth between, like I said, one of them that was on the list, but then I decided to go with this one instead, which is another, this was originally, this is all three of the ones that I decided to put as my top three were all in my honorable mentions anyway. Um, okay. But I just decided to bump them up. Um, gotcha. So this is a band that, this, it's almost, it almost should be against the law that I would like something like this. And I, I only <laughs> say that because I normally don't like this kind of thing that much. But mm-hmm. there's something about this band in particular that just really, um, it really caught me at the right time. And I, I really mm-hmm. don't know why. And it's just odd that, I would discover something like this um, at 39 years old. And this is not a very old band at all. It's, it's very short lived. I think they Mm -hmm. formed in like 2010 or something. And then they broke up, I think in 2018. So I think literally, and they were all very, very young. Um, It's this band called modern baseball. Mm. And the record that I'm going to talk about the most is their second album called You're Going to Miss It All. But I also want to make a note that their debut album is called Sports. Um, and that is, that for some reason is kind of considered their classic masterpiece by a lot of people, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, modern baseball is like, all of the things that I like about like nineties indie rock, like early to, and, and I'm just trying to think of the most general terms to describe them. Um, two thousands, like Midwest emo jangly pop. Like when I listen to this record, this is how I would describe, uh, this band. Uh, you remember that show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete? Did you ever mm-hmm. watch that at all when you were? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the way I would describe you, you know the the intro song, that band that yeah. did that song, Hey Sandy? Polaris. Polaris, yes. So mm-hmm. I would describe this band as like if Polaris, like, like if like that song, Hey Sandy, um, mm-hmm. most of the time, if the tempo was down, like. 30 or 40 beats per minute. It's like oh. got that really jangly sort of like 90s sound, but then it's also a very clearly emo thing as well. And mm. I guess the thing that really makes me like appreciate it is the fact that the singer's voice, it it's like one of those situations where the voice is so um, odd 
in mm. the style of music that they're playing. And they mm -hmm. actually have another singer whose voice actually like it's the type of the type of voice that you would expect to hear in this style of music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they choose to have the the regular singer um they choose they choose to have him sing the parts instead and the other guy who probably is like like a better singer if you're talking technically you know what i mean mm -hmm. um sure. be the backup vocals and it works so well he's got this really like high-pitched kind of like uh it almost reminds me of the violent the singer from the violent femmes was singing for an emo band or something mm -hmm. like and when I say emo, I mean, like, this totally reminds me of, like, almost like something like The Promise Ring or or something like that. I don't know how familiar you are with, like, sort of those bands. Or, like, another, yeah, not much. another <laughs> band that I really am into is, like, like uh, Built to Spill and, mm -hmm. like, early Modest Mouse and things like that. I hear elements of that in this as well. But ultimately, they're just like totally this one thing, like, and it it just it seems like they kind of left behind somewhat of a of a of a mark in that sort of world, you know. Like, it, mm -hmm. it, it's totally the songs are basically love songs for the most part, but there's something that's really like like funny and and sad and i would say like completely honest like they're not afraid to be a little absurd and a little quirky with like the lyrics so like there's a little bit of like something like daniel johnston in there as well hmm. like the 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 way that they seem to choose writing the lyrics reminds me of something like um don't let the sun go down on your grievances or something like that, you know? But then like the next like minute, um, you know, that's a Daniel. Are you familiar with Daniel Johnston at all? Uh, yeah, not, not hugely. Okay. I, I know some of his stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well that was, uh, I didn't know if you, if you knew that that was a Daniel Johnston song. Um, oh, okay. Don't let your sun go down your grievances. But then mm -hmm. like, he also did a song like space ghost or something. Or not Space yeah. Ghost, excuse me, uh, Casper. 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 Yeah. Um, modern baseball has that same level of like, just uh, like there's like one song where like he's singing about being like basically like dumped by a girl or like stood up by a girl or something or like I don't know what what the situation specifically, but the way I interpreted it, it was like he's or he's trying to get a hold of a girl or he's just I don't know, something, you know, like that kind of like that kind of thing. Right. Which is something mm -hmm. that I'm just not really always into when it comes to music. But then right. like the the like the, he sings about like how he's got to take his medication with chocolate pudding, <laughs> like which is like, I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but it's also like. It, it sounds like that was really something that was going on in his life at that time. So he was just like, well, I'm just going to put this little bit in here that 
right now I got to take like a medication, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. and yeah. it's just silly that I have to eat chocolate pudding with it or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I could be completely missing the point, but I don't care because that's the way I interpret it. Um, and the music is so catchy. Um, and it just, it caught me off guard. Um, I think the way I discovered it was it showed up in my YouTube algorithms, a video of theirs. Okay. And mm -hmm. I was like, modern baseball. Okay. Well, the, the, the name honestly kind of, it, it made me sort of like uh, skeptical of clicking on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Modern baseball, you know, it, it, it sounds like that band American football that a lot of people are kind of, right. you know, so I just kind of figured, but then like, I just decided, ah, what the hell? And then the song is called Your Graduation and it's off of this album, You're Gonna Miss It All, their second record. And cool. uh, it's my favorite song on the record. Um, and it's, I just, I think that these records are, I think modern baseball is, uh, was, cause they're broken up now, I guess. But they were just a really interesting footnote in that world of like teenage, like, I guess millennial. Cause I think they all were like, honestly, I think their first album sports came out. I think they were like 18 or 19 years old, you know? Hmm. So they're all like in their twenties. They're all very, very young, but the music to me sounds very, um, sophisticated for that age, I guess you could say. Gotcha. And I just really, really like the, um, I like their take on the genre. It just, I don't know. It, it, it makes me happy, even though I think a lot of the lyrics are sad, <laughs> you know, gotcha. um, it's, it's very rare for a band to be classified as an emo band to mm -hmm. make me smile. Cause usually <laughs> that's completely contrary to the point, you know? Mm -hmm. And so right. that, and, and, and I only say they make me smile because the music just sounds really jangly. A lot of times it sounds really, cool. it just, it puts me in that mind. It puts me in, there's also, I hear like, you know, Beatles, like sort of like almost like a Beatles mm -hmm. thing going on in some of their music. And so yeah, modern baseball. Um, cool. I really, really, it really, I, I just stopped and realized that this record, because I was listening to it a lot over the summer. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, this album really did like affect me more than, even more than like the first Jawbreaker or uh, mm -hmm. the Dead Milkman one I actually just listened to like a month ago. So oh, gotcha. um, I just kind of was like, eh, eh, I think modern baseball qualifies a little more, you know? Cool. Yeah, I've heard a lot about them from a lot of people, uh, most notably uh, Chuck Moore, our friend. Yes, Chuck. Um, <laughs> like how you he, were, you were just I like, think he tells me friend. He listens to all this. The time. He listens to this podcast, by the way, so oh. I'll, I'll let him know that. Um, well, I'll, maybe friend is a strong word. Uh, <laughs> Did you hear that, Chuck? Acquaintance. Did you hear that, Chuck? You negative are, acquaintance. You Chuck are Moore. our negative acquaintance, Chuck. I'm gonna okay. Now I'm not gonna tell him that he get he got a shot out in a shout out in this a shot out. I no, said I'm just out. kidding. He's one of my best friends of all time. No, absolutely, Chuck. Um, Chuck's a great but, uh, guy. He tells me often to listen to modern baseball, and I I never have yet. Um, still, to he's 
he actually ended up kind of being one of the reasons why I clicked on that YouTube video because nice. he's yeah. in, he's into a lot of stuff that is that style. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. And which usually isn't my style, to be quite honest. No, mine either. Um, mine either. The two of you suggesting it, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, so. I would. I would definitely recommend. Um, you're going to miss it all. That's my favorite cool. record, but. Um, Sports is also really excellent. They also, their last album, they put out three albums. Their last one was called Holy Ghost. And that mm-hmm. one was good too. But I really think the first two records. And when you do get around, if you do get around to listening to it, and when you do, I want to have a conversation with you about it. Because okay. I'm curious if you, if you heard like everything that I described. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So. Cool. Nice. Now on to the honorable um, mentions. Yeah. Do you did you use up all your honorable mentions or do you have more? Oh, I I, I have more. Oh, okay. I cool. have more. Do you want to do you want to go or do you want me to take one and you take one? Um. Why don't we do the? Why don't we just go ahead and list off all the honor, honorable mentions at once? Um, okay. Go for it. You want me to go first with the honorable mentions? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Sure. Um. I'm going to also do that. I'm going to kind of do the same thing that I did last time where, God, there's so much more than just three, but um, I am going to go ahead and uh, Latirix, the album. Now, Latirix was a, is a, because I guess they did a reunion album recently, a um, hip hop duo from the 90s of, uh, these rappers called Latif, the truth speaker and lyrics born. So they combined their rap names together, Latirics, you know, lyrics born and Latif. Um, and DJ shadow produced, um, a few tracks on there and, um, it's considered, and I'd never heard of it until now. Cause I think I was reading an article about, I don't know, 30 best underground hip hop albums of all time or something or indie hip hop albums. And Latirix was like at the top, but this is considered a, um, like sort of a breakthrough record. It came out in 96, I think it was. And, um, the production on it is insane. It definitely sounds like it's ahead of its time. It's got a very experimental nature to it. Um, but the thing that blows my mind is the first track, which is called Latirix. Um, they actually rapped, uh, simultaneously at the same time, two different yeah. verses. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. It, fucking... was, it was very much like, uh, the song, The Gift by the Velvet Underground. Yes, exactly. It was yeah. just freaking unbelievable. And yeah, really cool. A lot of really, I mean, the, the whole album, I could see why it's considered a hip hop classic. I never heard of it. <laughs> like I was just like, this is, this is one of those situations like, uh, you know, where it's like, why? Like I'm mad at my friends, even though right, my friends, exactly. have, my friends have never heard of it either, but that's no right. excuse. <laughs> I, I hope I still hold them accountable. Somebody should have told you. Somebody <laughs> should have told me, even if you didn't know what the fuck they, what the fuck it is, yeah. you should have let me know. Yeah. Um, no, they're like, I'm, I'm coming for them all. Like as soon as yeah. this, quarantine stuff is this is it's, it's on now dude it's on no but it's uh, it's really really cool um really cool yeah. record 
Okay, so then the next one that I'm going to mention, because I already talked a little bit, I, I talked about Jawbreaker and Dead Milkman, mm-hmm. um, both really great records, but um, the uh, the other one I'm going to mention is uh, this group called Lost Sounds, um, mm-hmm. and it's called Rat Brains and Microchips. Um, are you familiar with them at all, Eric? Uh, just when you had it on your list. Okay. Um, but um, I, I liked it. Yeah, it's funny. I made some notes about this when I was listening to it. I wrote, oh, it's very punky. It's very old school. Kind of an X-ray specs yes. feel to yes. it. Um, but also very dissonant. And then I wrote, production-wise, somewhere between Atari Teenage Riot and Jay Retard. Yes, absolutely. And then later, I looked it up, and, and <laughs> he was, it was in the band. by him. He was in the and band. I loved it. I'm so yeah, glad you wrote this on there. The, the organs, the goofy-ass synthesizers. Yes, uh, yes. It's, it's groovy in its own way at times. It's heavy. Yes. And it's, it was awesome, but it still has that griminess and pop sensibility that jay retard has absolutely and, uh, and i i yeah i loved it i thought it was really um, cool so jay retard kind of seemed like a like a uh somewhat of a controversial figure like i know he passed away like yeah yeah uh, but, but it seemed yeah. like he um he seemed to kind of you know uh thrive off of being edgy or something i i don't know like um i think that's part of it but well what so he had a band called the retards right right and uh i think his moniker in that was jay retard so that's where that came from that's why he uses that name uh i don't think he's afraid of offending people by any means but i don't know if it's his his point like honestly the record Blood Visions yeah. by Jay Retard is it's outrageously good. It I, is. I it's I, one of my favorite records. I mean, honestly, in my top probably twenty five records of all time. And yeah, that's not it's, me just exaggerating like usual. Like for real, I could listen to it. Some of the songs are so gorgeous. Uh, my family, um, yeah, other songs on there, nightmares. Just they almost make you cry. They're beautiful, fading all away. That song destroys Earth. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And it's awesome to hear that sort of sensibility and production yes. in something that isn't going for that. You know, it's it's very much trying to be kind of like glitchy punk rock. It's um, you know, yeah. I I actually have that record on vinyl, Blood Visions. Uh, and it yeah. is so, it's so good. Okay, uh, what do you have, Eric, for right, honorable well, mentions? I just kinda, I'll kind of try to blow through these. Um, one thing I discovered this year, um, and I've heard the name a lot, and I've actually heard the music, but I, it just, I didn't, it wasn't for me. I, I don't know how to say it. I didn't get it. But um, Arthur Russell... Mm-hmm. He is originally from Oskaloosa, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Moved to New York. Um, also lived in San Francisco, I think. He dated Allen Ginsberg. Uh, he's a cellist who's played with Philip Glass, David Byrne, um, all kinds of people. Way too famous to have been from Iowa, to be quite honest. Right, I right. Don't know why no, no one 
else really talks about Arthur Russell. We all talk about Slipknot all the time, and it's like, oh, well. Sure, sure. Anyway, uh, so the record is called World of Echo. It came out in 1986. And it's, I mean, I'm as blown away by this record as I was by Silver Apples, maybe even more so. I can't even understand how someone made this record. It seriously sounds like he recorded every note individually with his cello um so basically it's plucked cello and and bowed cello Mm -hmm. with vocals effects on all of that and then it's like chopped up and sliced um his voice is really beyond tender it's like it's like nick drake but even more fragile if you can imagine that like uh, there, there is guitar and some electronic drum sounds and organ throughout, but it's so sparse and strange that it. I've just, I honestly have never heard anything like it. Wow! And I, I can't say enough about it. If you listen to "World of Echo" by Arthur Russell, you will, you will probably understand music less, but want to understand it more. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but the music, the song I really like on that one's called Luck Cloud. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about that. Um, then there's an album called Maisie Fly. It came out in 2019 by an artist called Spelling. Um, she is from California. I don't hardly know anything about it at all. Um, Joe from Peanut Ricky uh, told me to check it out, and I'm glad they did. Uh, there's Elements of Soul. But then it breaks into some synthwave stuff. Uh, it's got really heavy proggish breaks, kind of like uh, Black Mountain uh, has these big prog breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a group from Chicago called Gone, G-A-A-N, which I had the pleasure of seeing here in Iowa City uh, quite a few years ago. But it was real big, heavy synth prog. And it sort of reminds me of, of that, but only in the breaks. The rest of the time, it's almost like an R&B record. I really... But check it out. The song cool. from that I like is called Real Fun. Um, yeah. And the last one is by an artist called Father. Um, even though it's actually Father written in Korean, um, the record is called White Death. I don't know anything about the artists. I don't know where they're from. I don't think it really matters. So Father is part of a, a genre that uh, popped up a few years ago, like around 2015 or whatever, and pretty much died out within mm-hmm. that same time period. There's maybe 20 records that fit into that genre. Um, so... I think that the ideas of death dream as a genre have been sort of brought to the forefront by artists like the caretaker. Yeah. Um, and, and things like that. Uh, it's very quiet. It's very cinematic, ominous, stark. The big thing about death dream is that the music ultimately consumes itself. Essentially it destroys itself. It falls apart. And, uh, yeah, all I can say is go to Bandcamp, type in Death Dream, and check out all those albums. Sure. Um, this one, 
uh, like I said, it's called Father, but I don't think you'll find it that way. The album cover is like a skull. Yep. Nope. Actually, I just the shoulder of a little girl. I just pulled it up by (laughs) typing in Father. Okay. On Google, yeah, it Um, it showed up with the with the um, uh, jap is it Japanese? Korean. Korean. Okay. Korean. Yeah. Um, And uh, because I had to down, I had to download that um, keyboard onto my phone to find new artists in this genre. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's like a translate at all. Um, yeah, it's cool. It, it's it's almost like post-rock. Um, like there's moments leading up to a crescendo, you know, mm-hmm. um, like in Godspeed or Silver Mount Zion or Mogwai or whatever. But it never really resolves. It never really hits that crescendo. It just breaks. It just falls apart. And yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Uh, I can't really say enough about it i would say that uh this death dream genre why not give a couple records a listen sure father all of their releases is really cool um the last song on white death honestly i thought i was i thought i was dying when i heard it (laughs) (laughs) like the impact of listening to the entire record and then the last song coming on like, I don't know if I've experienced chills to that extent ever. Wow. Like, it really, like, I I was terrified, and I was um, beside myself. Like, almost for a second, like, jumped out of my body. Like, I know that's a crazy-ass thing to say about music, but listen to the whole record, and when, when that last song comes on, you'll hear what I mean. Okay, it's, I'll. Uh, it's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I do have to make a confession, Eric. I never, I still haven't gotten around to listening to any of your honorable mention picks yet. Oh, that's fine. So, yeah. I, but I do have uh, Spelling and um, Arthur Russell both on my Spotify playlist. So nice. I am going yeah. to, I'm definitely going to check them out, but I haven't, haven't gotten around to them yet. Um, cool. But, uh, yeah, so that concludes part two of the best yeah. of 2020, the old stuff, the old yeah. stuff. Um, slightly more succinct. Slightly, slightly the- more <laughs> succinct, exactly. <laughs> just, um, just the- also comes uh, <laughs> comes with more editing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, so, oh, man, you guys are going to not hear so much shit yeah, on this one. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of parts that don't go together. But you know, oh, yeah. so this is a this Dan's is just gonna remix this whole thing. This is our this is our uh, attempt at glitch podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> like this is going to be new, new podcast genre. Yes, yeah. exactly. Low Actually, low fly. William Burrow did it so long ago. Low fi <laughs> low fi glitch <laughs> podcasting. Um, any oh. last words for uh, the wonderful listeners of the Accelerative Thrust World? No, I'm uh, stoked to have heard from a couple people. Um, oh yeah, that listen, and so that's super exciting to well, me. That's, so that's awesome. Yes, that's one thing that I do want to say is um, I appreciate everybody who has taken the time to listen. Um, and uh, yes, I think um, that we got some cool stuff that's going to be happening in the future with the podcast. Um, I'm not going to reveal uh, 
yet, but one thing in particular that, you know, we talked about through texts, Eric. Mm. Um, and so that'll be, that'll be kind of cool. And uh, I will, um, I think that's it for the week, man. What do you All think? Right. All right. Yeah. I'm going to meet. All right. See you guys later. <laughs>